Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Go Boldly Mastermind podcast. I'm Scott Spade. I'm your host, and I am truly excited today to, to have on here Jared Miller. Jared and I, our paths have crossed many times, but we just didn't even we didn't even know it. We're not aware of it. And uh, very uh, got some similar backgrounds and leadership and our love for leadership and uh, and our love for God. And so welcome to the show, Jared. I am I am excited to have you on today. Hey, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Man, you have got such a story. Um, wh- where do we begin? I mean, you, you've, you've traveled, you know, doing music, you've done leadership, you're, you're starting some new, new things. I mean, how did, where did Jared get started? Where did Jared grow up and, and how did, how did music become your thing? Yeah, I know that that's a great question. So the running joke in my family is that my, my mom gave birth to me on the altar of the church. Um, it's, it's all I've ever known. It's, uh, such a huge, intricate part of my life. And, um, you know, when you're raised in that and it's a big part of your life, you you don't like other kids are doing baseball tournaments and basketball tournaments and football and all those things are amazing. Well, the way I was raised, it was like, we're at church every time the doors are open. Right. And so, so that was a huge influence on me, but it, it sounds kind of funny, but my dad's family was from Mississippi and I, we lived in Texas. So, you know, back in the eighties, whenever um, you couldn't, uh, didn't have Wi-Fi, um, I had uh, this thing called a cassette player. Yep. A little yep. Walkman. Right. And um, it's so funny. I remember listening to Michael Jackson's thriller record. Oh my gosh, man. And you're I- going way back. Way back. And uh, I was like, man, this is like, this is so good. And so like, I don't know if it was like the Holy Spirit or just Michael Jackson inspiration, but I knew I knew as a young kid that like music, just something burned in me and it, it made me come alive. And so um, I sang at a very early age. Um, I remember at eight years old, it was like me and two other young girls we sang a special song at a uh at a church conference with like five thousand people and so singing has been a huge part now i didn't know that later in life i would do that as a ministry and career and so on and so forth but i will say this i was probably eight or nine same same time as i sang at that conference and there was an old elderly lady who came up to me and she says jared when you grow up you're going to be a singer and you're going to be a preacher. And it's funny how, you know, well-intentioned people in your life, parents, adults, so on and so forth, they'll speak things over you. It could be positive or negative, but it's amazing how like that influence can, can shape you and carry you into your adulthood. And it's funny because even today, not limited to, but I am a, I am a speaker and a preacher and a singer. So I'm curious, when did, when did that memory resurface for you of, of her saying that? Because a lot of times people say stuff, you know, when we're kids and we, we just kind of go on. So when did that resurface for you and you, you're, you made that connection? That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, just like the reminiscing and remembering that in the last few years, it's like, oh my gosh, I forgot that she said that and I'm actually doing that, you know? And so I think sometimes subconsciously, you know, things stick with us, but um, always had a love for music because it was so much a part of our church. So then in like in my teenage years, 
12, 13, 14, 15, I picked up the bass and acoustic guitar, trumpet. I played trumpet in middle school and high school, a little bit of piano, but mostly all singing. So it's like, didn't know anything from anything, just writing my own songs, playing in bands. I thought that I was going to be in a Christian rock band touring for most of my life. Wow. Wow. That's really, yeah. I remember talking about cassette player, you know, I, all my buddies wanted, they had these big boom boxes. Oh yeah, and and we called them jam boxes back then, and and I I wanted one for Christmas so bad, and you know it was the the big thing. It had dual cassette and a radio and a long antenna, and I and I wanted one for Christmas so bad. And my grandmother, who is a, a big prankster, she's she's gone to heaven now, but she put in a box a whole thing of grape jelly, <laughs> and she gave me my jam box for Christmas. And I op- I remember opening that and I remember sitting there and just thinking how, oh my gosh, I am so disappointed. And after all the gifts were open, there was one more gift in the back, back behind the tree. And that, that, that jam box was, was there. And um, man, that just, that was my introduction to music really. Um, you know, just, just back then DC talk and for him and um who else? My goodness. Um, Petra and yeah. so Curtis. many Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, some of those big names that um, some of them have been disbanded, like, you know, for him and, and some of those groups don't even exist anymore, but um, in truth, um, you know, they, they were around for so long and um, man, I just, my, my pastor back home, he always talks about himself being a drug, a drug baby, he got drugged to church every Sunday and every time the doors were open. And so, um, and I can, I can relate to that. I was a preacher's kid and there was an expectation that you, you were going to be there Sunday morning for Sunday school, church, church training, Sunday night and Wednesday night. And um, the best part about Wednesday night was the Wednesday night meal. I mean, that's, that's what I, I looked forward to. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. So you, you we were talking before the recording started. You you traveled with and, and opened up for DC Talk. A lot of people don't even know who DC Talk is, but they were a phenomenal group. In my humble opinion, when it came to like cutting edge creativity, like relevant music in the Christian world, they were I feel I feel like they were one of the greatest bands to ever yeah. you know Christian yeah. music. Absolutely. Um, and and their music was relevant and cutting edge. It even crossed over into like some some pop secular fields. So they had a, they had a, a broader reach. But um, so we we had this theme park called Astro World in Houston. They would have uh, once a year, or actually twice a year, they would have Christian Youth Weekends. Wow. So KSBJ was the local Christian radio station, and they're actually like one of the biggest in America, at least in the top two. And so we had an opportunity to to meet with, they actually had like a youth section called, I'm dating myself here, called Light Force. <laughs> wow. And we, his name was Jeff Scott. We got in with him and he got us connected to be one of the opening acts for DC Talk at Astroworld for Christian Youth Weekend. Gosh. Wow. That happened for Talk, it happened for Jars of Clay. Um, it was really close to happening for Delirious. Um, some things happened. We it didn't work out, but um, it was an honor and privilege and a really cool experience. That is, you know, my buddy Donnie Lewis, who now tours with Peter Frampton, one of the greatest guitar players of, that's ever lived. Um, 
he was part of Mid South Boys, and back in the day, they were they were an old old group, and um, I think they were one of the very first ones. Don't quote me on this to come out with Christian music on a cassette. I think it was or an, an album or something like that. They were one of the first ones, um, you know, to, to break that barrier in, in the Christian music world, and it just and it's it opened up doors for you and for DC talk and for, and for others. And um, I, I'm curious, what, what is your, what's your biggest story or takeaway from traveling and, and being on the road and opening up for these acts and just seeing the behind the scenes from thousands of, of youth coming, you know, it, it's the, it's the same old adage, some will, some won't, you know, coming to Christ. And, but I'm just curious, what was, what's some of your biggest takeaways from that, that experience? A couple of things. Number one, everything is not what it seems. You know, whenever, whenever you're young, <laughs> I remember talking to a, to a producer and we're like, man, if we can just get signed to a record deal, we'll, we'll have arrived. And he, <laughs> he's, he's like, guys, I'm just going to go ahead and break the news. Getting signed to a record deal is not all that you think it is. Yeah. Right. And so, so just, having having your expectations change as you grow and as you get older yeah. and then number two i would say um that the in any influence at all that you get large or small um that influence is not for you but it's for others mm. Mm, that's huge yeah yeah and i when i think about influence and of course that's john maxwell's biggest thing right you know Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. But when I think about influence, I honestly don't think about myself and the person sitting in front of me. I think about the thousands of other people that they, when they change or they make a shift or transformation or something happens in their life and they go out and they begin to share the thousands of people, you know, from that point that begins to get touched in a way that, um, you know, and that we'll never know. You know, they tell somebody that tells somebody that tells somebody that tells somebody, or they went to a DC talk show and, or, you know, or they, they heard you speak or they, and, and because they, their family now, and they're, it's just, that's what I always think about that long legacy that we'll never know about. And it's, it, it, while it's exciting, it's also very scary because that's a huge, huge responsibility. Studies show that even the most introverted among us will influence 10,000 plus people in their lifetime. I've never heard that. That is really, that's really cool. The most introverted among us. Yeah, I'm not wow. a people person. I'm kind of shy. I don't really interact with people. Within your lifetime, studies show that you will influence 10,000 plus people in your lifetime. And we, you and I both know everyone influences someone. And you're exactly right. What you said is so important. We'll never know this side of eternity. Yeah. How many you've influenced? Yeah, I, you know, I I look at that and I think about how many how many speakers, how many preachers are introverts. At least, more than eighty percent, I think. Statistic I've heard that most speakers and preach. And I'm an introvert. I'm a, you know, I love to speak. I love to get on stage and talk to ten thousand people. But when I'm done, I'm going back to my hotel room. And I, <laughs> But I absolutely love to speak and it just, I need to recoup and, and, and I've, but I, you know, I've done a lot of speaking in the military 
And I would finish up training and somebody would go, hey, we're all going to dinner. You want to go? And I'd say, no, I'm going back to my room. And one night I realized somebody had invited me on Saturday night, Sunday morning, they came back for a worship service and training. And I'm hearing stories about how much fun they had the night before. And I'm thinking, you're a freaking idiot. You, you, you just missed out on all of this fun. And so I got to a point where I started forcing myself. I'm going to say yes more than I say no and start going out and having, you know, making connections and, and stop being such an introvert. And it has been, it's been a great experience just because being around people that love to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've heard that the introverts really are extroverts. They just need longer periods of recuperation time. And I, and I've recently heard that there's the, the introvert extrovert, like that's there's introverts, there's extroverts. And then there's the introvert extrovert. And I think that's kind of where I fall into is that, that category of the introvert extrovert. And, um, you know, I just, but I just, I think I wonder, and you'll never know. I wonder how many kids will look back and go, Hey, I remember hearing Jared Miller or I remember seeing Jared Miller. I remember that guy. I can't remember his name, but he's saying this. Yeah. And, you know, most of them are probably adults now and and have families of their own. Right. Which leads to that 10,000, 10,000 people. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, when you're on the stage, you know, you're in the spotlight, right? Like, Literally and figuratively, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the spotlight as far as um, people's perception of you. You're physically on the stage. But the thing about it is I heard a quote that was so powerful, and I think it's really it's helped me. If I ever if I ever get off um, I was told that the pendulum never, never stops. You know, like sometimes we're walking in humility. Sometimes we're walking in pride. Sometimes we're walking in humility and sometimes we're walking in pride. And there was a quote that, that said, if the light shining on you is greater than the light shining within you, then the light shining on you will kill you. It's like an oven. Yeah. It was very leveling. Like the, the light of God on the inside of us has to be greater than the spotlights of the stage. You know? So, um, and that, and you see this all the time in Hollywood and you see this all the time and everywhere else where they they have this appearance of oh my god they have it all together but they commit suicide or they're they're yeah. they're dying on the inside they're they're not fulfilled and so um going back to influence and 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 you know introvert and extrovert all those things it's like man that has to come from within much more than it does from without yeah you said something a while ago that that kind of intrigued me and I think and and I've always having worked with some celebrities and having worked in that in that field and and you said something that really kind of got me that things aren't always what they seem. And that is, that is absolutely, there couldn't be any more truth to that, you know, and, and kind of what you just talked about, what you said that the people that have seem to have the most, that that have the most success, the celebrities, the singers, the songwriters, the sometimes are the most loneliest people on the planet. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what is it? You gain the whole world, but lose your soul. Yeah. 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 I, I spent some time several years ago with Ashley Judd and uh, of course she's, you know, beautiful 
you know, actress and, and she's got some quirky ways, but, but she is probably one of the most miserable people I've ever met. Struggles with all kinds of addictions, struggles with control. And it's, it was just, it was interesting just to be, it was interesting just to be in her presence and to listen to phone conversations that she was having with friends and the amount of affirmation that she was begging for Jeez. from her friends and without saying it, you know, you know, it's that, it's that, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up here and I'm going to this and I'm, I've got to go to this and doing this and, and just, but begging for that affirmation that you and I both know is never going to be there because I don't know that she's, I don't know if she's a Christian or not. I know that she attends a Methodist church, but who knows? Yeah. And clearly there's, there's something missing, but, but even the most influential people, you know, but I think you're, you're absolutely right. It just, that suicide rate is, is extremely high. I mean, Robin, Robin Williams. One of the greatest comedians, right? Funniest guy in the world. And, and, you know, could make anybody laugh no matter what. Patch Adams, that, that's the movie that comes to mind when I think about Robin Williams, Patch Adams. Yeah. And and the work that he did in that hospital with those kids, and yet he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't save himself. So, so many people are climbing the ladder of success. But one of the most depressing things that could ever happen is for you to get to the top of the ladder and find out you're on top of the wrong building. Oh, that's powerful. And so many people, they're like, man, I, I'm, I'm trying to do the right things. I think I'm doing yeah. right. I'm, I have a good work ethic. I'm making good money. I appear successful, but I'm not living. I'm not living for anyone else but myself. We, I think the the higher up people get, the more successful, the more the more uh, influential, the more the more um, powerful they get, the more money they get, the more they they alienate themselves. It's yeah. you know now they become untouchable and nobody nobody feels like they can talk to them nobody feels like I can they can just walk up to them and they've just alienated themselves to the point Ziegler Ziegler I think he either said it or wrote a book and it he said um, it's lonely at the top mm. and I I remember seeing that or hearing that probably twenty five years ago and my first thought when I heard it was that's that's an interesting concept that you're if you're at the top you're a leader you've got people surrounding you wanting to do things for you but since i've become a leader it's absolutely true it can yeah. be absolutely lonely at the top yeah because people think that you've got it all together it's a unique dynamic because you you want to you want to take people with you to the yeah. top but not everyone can and not everyone will you remember the story of, of Abraham and Isaac, right? He's going to the mountain to sacrifice his son per requested by God. And there's people who went with him. And when they got to a certain point, Abraham says, you guys are going to have to stay here. Mm -hmm. Son and I are going to go worship. Yeah. So not everyone is intended to go with you to the top. Not everyone has the capacity to go to the top. But there should, there should be a few people in your circle who can be up there with you. Yep. You know, I, I, I agree with you. It does get lonely at the top, but I'm just not sure if that was God's, 
perfect intention for us. I think everyone, this is so important for me in this season, everyone needs to be pouring their life into someone and everyone needs someone pouring their life into them. Absolutely. Paul had a Timothy, but he also had a Barnabas. Yeah. And so what we're seeing in across the board is a lot of people are pouring their life into, into someone else, but who's pouring into them? And being being an individual that pours a lot into others, when it comes to finding that individual to pour into me, it's hard. It's difficult because they how do I say this without sounding egotistical? They're not at my level. Yeah, no, you're making a very valid point. And so, you know, whether it be education, whether it be experience, I mean, who wants, who wants a a 30 year old when you're 50 pouring into you that has not experienced a whole lot of life or 20 year old when, you know, and, and I see a lot of coaches, a lot of young pastors out there that are absolutely young with no experience and they're trying to mentor you know 50 year olds and i'm like you haven't lived life man you you know some of these people you don't even have your first child and (laughs) what do you what do you know about living you haven't lived until you had a child like that's you know that's that's heaven and hell all in one And, and, and but it's i have found and i think that's that was one of the biggest reasons why i joined john maxwell was to surround myself with people that were were more experienced. That's one of the things I loved about Paul Martinelli was he he was such a mindset coach. And he when I would when I would listen to his calls, he could get into my psyche, if you will. Yeah. And speak my language. And I was able to connect with him. Yeah. But then I won't, I will, I will never say that I outgrew him. I outgrew what he was teaching. And I don't think he was able to to bring other stuff in to help me get to that next level. And I'll be honest, there's kind of been a little bit of floundering because I haven't had that next level coach. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's definitely times you need someone who's farther along than you are. But there's an, there's another side of the coin that I think will help help our listeners today is, is you've ex- experienced this as well. I had two boys and someone might say, well, what could they teach me? But we know as parents, I mean, there's oftentimes I'm learning a whole lot from my kids. <laughs> yeah. Me. yeah. There's, there's different, different avenues of learning and, and, and reflection and observation and experience. Um, sometimes we really need someone who's further along than we are, but sometimes we, we need to just say, what am I learning right here where I am with those closest in proximity to me? And um, it's it's where it's where the student becomes the teacher, and the teacher becomes the student. It's what I call the cross cycle. It's it, it's it's the center of the cross where there's favor with God and favor with man, and where there's there's a student and a teacher, and a teacher and a student, and it's a continual cycle. It takes a lot of humility, a lot of curiosity, a lot of um, a learner's possibility mindset to kind of stay in that vein. But um, I'm just a, I'm just a believer that. There are certain levels of learning, but you can learn almost anything from anyone if you're open to it. Absolutely. I've always said you can learn a lot from kids. They, you know, especially a three or four year old, they go to daycare and I no longer want to be friends with you. We're not friends anymore. Next day, this is my best friend, mom. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's like something happened overnight that they, they just completely forgot about the fight they had the day before. And, and as adults, I think we could learn a lot about that, that forgive and forget. Oh my goodness. That's powerful. Because that's what those three and four year olds do. They, they don't remember it from one day to the next, like suddenly they're best friends again. This is my best friend. And, and I just think that, I think number one, I think we need more people to step up and be mentors. I think number two, we need more people to step up and say, I need to be mentored. Yes. Yes. And have, you know, and, and help people to understand this level of resiliency and help let people understand that there's always, I always tell my coaching clients, my mastermind group, there's always an other O T H E R. There's always an other side to whatever you're going through right now. Mm, so good. No matter what you're facing, if you look back on, on your entire life, everything that you've ever been through, you're on the other side of it. I lost my grandfather when I was a senior in high school. Devastating. But I'm on the other side of that. And while I miss him tremendously, I'm on the other side of it. Like it doesn't, I don't get triggered now when I when I talk about him, right? And so whatever you're going through today, there's there's an other side to it. And if we just keep going, you know, maybe a hump, maybe a mountain, maybe a, a hill, maybe a, an anthill, but whatever it is you're going through, going over, there's another side to it. Yes, there is. And you can always look back and, and go, I was, when I was talking to Dennis LaRue the other day, we were talking about this fact that everything that you've ever been through has gotten you to who you are, to be, help you to become who you are today. Everything. That's right. And so I, you know, and if I, if I were, if somebody had asked me 20 years ago, would you be doing what you're doing now? Being in Germany, training Ukrainians, deputy command chaplain of a, of a huge army unit. I'd have, I'd have laughed in your face because that was just not on the agenda. But here I am, you know, 2023 sitting in Germany, beautiful country. And doing what God's called me to do. It's powerful. I, I'm I'm curious, man. What are you doing now? What are you What are you working on now? Yeah, you, so you've also got two boys to feed. <laughs> and they're they're seven and eleven. The oldest just started sixth grade middle school. Oh my goodness, Scott! He told me the other day. He said, uh, "Dad, I know I'm eleven, but I just want you to know." I've had more girlfriends at my age than you did when you were 11. And I said, son, you do realize I made you and I can take you out and I can make another one who'll be better looking than you. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. <laughs> yes, they are eating the pantry out and they are growing boys. But oh, wow. I um, so for those of you who don't know uh, in, in your audience, we talked about, you know, I've, I've sung, done music most of my life. But um, so... Into my 30s, I wrote my first book. Nice. And then last year, I just released my my second book called Truth. So singer-songwriter, worship leader, author, speaker. Um, but right now, actually, today's Thursday. On Monday, we're launching uh, an online community called Servant Leadership Creative. Love it. It is exactly connected to what you just said. We need more mentors and we need people to step up and say, I need to be mentored. 
it seems as though with the hustle and bustle of life and everyone's in survival mode, everyone's trying to do the best they can. Discipleship has all but ceased. Mm. We have yeah. great, we have great church programs and great church services and we have great small groups, but what about the one-on-one discipleship program? And so for me personally, as an adult, from a spiritual context, we're, we know that we can feed ourselves and have times of devotion and we can read the Bible for ourselves and have prayer, but there's but a, do we. right, right. There's a human element of accountability and care that's, that's being missed. So my niche is for, for servant leaders and then creatives, those who are on the stage, off the stage and who are up behind the scenes. We're all creative because we have breath in our lungs and we're all called to be servant leaders because that's who Christ would call us to be. That's who, who he was and and, and embodies. And so um, this gives a personalized, customized approach and touch to people who are not being mentored at all and who are not growing. And so I'm really excited about it. Servant Leadership Creative, we launched this Monday night. And you're going to have to get us the link so we can put that in the show notes. And 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 I don't know if how familiar you are with what I'm working on with the masterminds, but it's very, very similar with Go Boldly. Um, 2020, when this little tiny event happened and shut the world down, mm. um, I was deployed to Kuwait. Mm. Matter of fact, I deployed, I was headed over to Kuwait eight days before the world shut down Jeez. and was was supposed to be there for 30 days. I was running a mission with Kuwait, Jordan, and Egypt. And my my first stop was in Kuwait. I was in a hotel in downtown Kuwait City. And we were working with multilateral nations. And Thursday night, 11 o'clock, my phone rings in the hotel. And they said, hey, get upstairs. So I go up. Had no idea what was going on. I mean, you you know, I could speak a little bit of Arabic, but when you're watching the news on the TV, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't translate very well. And so I go upstairs and they said, hey, if you can get back to the U.S., go now. And everybody's on their phones with with Sato, the travel agent for the government. And I'm like, what is going on? The airport's shutting down tomorrow night at midnight. Still not sure what's what's going on. 30 days turned into six months. And so I was a part of U.S. Arsent, which is third in command, basically Pentagon, CENTCOM, and then, and then Arsent. And we run all of theater. So Kuwait, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Egypt, Jordan, we controlled who was going in. On, and I was on the chaplain side of that. And so I am in these briefings with all of these top leaders every single day. And we're getting we're getting story after story after story and we're getting all these briefings and we're being told, Hey, we've got 7,000 people on this space and we've got two ventilators. The, the odds of somebody not surviving are really, really high. Right. And, and I began, you know, soldiers would start coming to coming to me and saying, Hey, I, I lost my mom. She's in the hospital and, and she's about to die or, and we couldn't get it. We couldn't let them go back. And I'm, I'm having to be the strong one. And I'm thinking, I am, I am about as weak as you can possibly get. And I started walking the track every night. I would get 12, 15, 20,000 steps in every single day from just walking. We couldn't go to the gym. We couldn't do anything. So, we, And God showed me, going back to Abram, 12.1, Genesis, he said, you know, God told him to go to the land that he would show him. 
And I realized then that we have to go, when God calls us, we have to be bold. We have to go boldly. And so I've created this mastermind for just men that meets weekly groups of 10 or 10 or less of men where they can be held accountable. They can be coached. They can be mentored. They can be, and it's very similar to what, what you're doing, but it's not as, it's not on the discipleship piece of it. That's the, that's the one piece that's, that's missing from what we do. And so maybe we can find a connection there to add that piece to it with what you're doing. But that was because God, you know, I knew that I had to be strong. And I, mm. you know, and I'm waking up with nightmares. Yeah. And I've got these 20 year olds that are coming to me and fearful. They won't, you know, just absolutely fearful. And that's where go boldly came from was that Genesis 12, one where God told Abram to go. And then the second part, and then I will, I will give you every place that you touch. Yeah, that's right. Bless you. I'll bless them. And just such a powerful, powerful statement that I think that men, you know, this based on faith, family, and leadership, you get the faith, right. Everything else will fall into place. But too often, I think we start with leadership and then we add the family and then we add the faith to it. Yeah. And so that's, if we can get back to that discipleship, get back to that um, being bold, get back to that men being bold and quit running around acting like they're women and, and, you know, men stepping up and, and being fathers and, and whatever, whatever it takes at home and at work is, is absolutely necessary for today. Huge need, huge, huge need. I lost my dad when I was 20 years old. Sorry. So like, I, I feel that. However, those first 20 years of my life, my dad modeled what a man was supposed to be. And we had a great relationship. So even though he's been gone for over half my life, cause I'm 43 now, still those first 20 years, the model, the mentorship, the example, it was there. It's carried me to where I am today. So what you're yeah. saying is such a huge need. Yeah. I, we, we've got to continue this off offline at some point and see how we can connect our ministries and, and, and work together because I just feel like um, right now, while we're focusing on men, there will be a sisterhood um, to work with, with the wives and, and the, the women. But, um, but right now I just feel such a, a draw towards, towards helping men to just find themselves, find sure reconnect with God. And so Jared, how, how can somebody, how can somebody reach you, man? Your, your story is fascinating. What you're doing is absolutely phenomenal and so needed right now. And I just, I want to be a part of that. And uh, how can people find you? Yeah, I, I appreciate you so much. So you can find me on Instagram uh, at Jared Miller official, and then also at SLC for servant leadership, creative uh, Facebook, Jared Miller, same thing. And if they want to email me, just email me at uh, jaredmillerofficial at gmail.com. Love it, man. I love it. We're going to have all that in the show notes. Jared, it has been an absolute pleasure to get to know you. I know you got you got boys to go feed and, and take care of. And, and that, that story of your 11-year-old just that, that cracks me up. And so, man, I look forward to connecting with you. And when I get back to the States, maybe, uh, maybe grabbing dinner or lunch or something sometime. That'd be great. I'd love it. Thanks, Jared. Thank you.